is going on, guys? This is the 108 Bricks Podcast. As usual, I am Dylan Buckwhite, here with Curtis Koch. Um, we're recording a little bit before we uh, send you into part two of our um, two-part special um, interview with uh, T- Stu McVicker of Club 400. This time we'll be talking with him directly about um, his life as a Cub fan and uh, how he grew up. It's actually really great. This is this one's my favorite part of the interview. As much fun as it was walking around the entire basement uh, man cave that he put together, just learning of his history and how he became a Cubs fan and all the stuff that he collected and whatnot is really cool. So we just wanted to break into some Cubs news here um, just because there has been some stuff going on and we want to keep you guys in the loop and give you our thoughts on that as well. When uh, <laughs> when it comes to it, we're going to get to a lot of the, the offseason news, um, but as of right now, there's nothing really big news-wise Huge. That's, that's really worth um, kind of diving into. There's one move in particular we'll, we'll kind of dive into a little bit, but um, that it doesn't really involve the Cubs, and it involves a rival, which we'll get to, as many of you probably have found out by now, who have been paying attention to the baseball offseason. Um, but regardless, we're going to get more into it once the Cubs do break some more news, once some bigger moves are made. Um, but since we do have this other interview to get to as well, we'll probably be talking about this and uh, mm. other off-season stuff for maybe about maybe 15 Five, 20 minutes. minutes or 10 minutes yeah. yeah and then go right to oh, the second part I went of the with the low side <laughs> what was that i went with the low end of the, my uh, <laughs> projections there oops um, oh well yeah but i guess we could start with the biggest name uh to depart from the cubs this year and that was um tommy lastella traded away to uh texas uh, for players to be named later and cash. And honestly, the only reason I could see this move happening was either salary relief, potentially, even though he was still an arbitration player. And they wanted to try to get someone younger in that position with more options. Yeah. They were trying, maybe trying to avoid a Caesar. Bef- like uh, that whole Caesar situation before yeah. the Caesar situation happened. My, that my thing that that's really just sucks is that um, is that Lestella really kind of accepted his role as a as a bench guy, um, and that was I think really important for him because um, even though he he was a, a really key valuable member off the bench, he did give you some versatility. But I think the Cubs were looking to get some uh, smaller. But I also think too when you're trying to make a big splash in some sort of big free agent market and you're trying to, you know, get your roster together. I think cutting ties on every single potential payment that you would have to make in Listello would have been one that coming up would have had to have cost the Cubs at least a little bit more money to keep. And I think mm-hmm. they probably just viewed it as, well, if we cut ties now, we don't have to pay that big change later. And uh, as they approach probably one of the, the biggest free agency classes, um, in probably baseball history, I think uh, that's pretty fair to an accurate statement to make. Um, but he did have a good year last year. I mean, he he had a lot of, I think he had what twenty four, twenty five hits off the bench, pinch hitting the all time Cubs leading um, scorer. Yeah, for uh, or not score all time leading pinch hitter with the yeah. most pinch hits in a year. And so. he he finished with a two sixty six batting average. He had a, a on base percentage of three forty. Slugging percentage three thirty one and an OPS of six seventy two, um, but he was I mean, he was a solid player. It's just sad to see him go because he was one of those guys that was always kind of under the radar. Um, he wasn't he wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible either. He was a, a really good baseball. He did player. his job and he did his job well. Yeah, it exactly. Was, no one ever criticized him. No one ever was like, "Wow, look at this amazing this amazing effort by Estella." But he was a baseball player and a good one at that. And he wasn't and he, he came out there, he did his job and he went back home. And that's all you can expect from the player. Um, we'll miss him putting uh, bouncy houses in um, <laughs> Theo's Theo and Jed's lot. parking lot and getting called out on the Jumbotron at spring training. But other than that, you know, it's it, it's to, it is sad to see him go. <clears throat> it's weird because initially and this kind of ties in with one of their other um uh moves they made which was they acquired ronald torres from the yankees um infielder speedy and a bench guy um could have been and everyone was thinking oh well there's your lastella replacement right there 
that November 30th rolls around and they non-tender him, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, maybe the November 30th rolled around and the Cubs saw all the other guys uh, teams were non-tendering and they're like, well, maybe we can go out and get someone better than Ronald Torres, but they haven't yet. So as it stands um, on 12-6, the day we're recording this, that move still has lots of question marks around it, given the situation of, well, we don't have a bench guy. We don't have a solid pinch hitter who can fill in basically anywhere or mostly around that middle infield a position. left-handed bat, too. We just non-tendered the guy we were we technically traded for, so we literally just threw... You, we basically just did the equivalent of just throwing money into a furnace. And the stove is starting to heat up, and you're starting to see players go uh, their ways to, their, to different teams. So what are the Cubs going to do to fill that hole? They're going to have to bring in someone, maybe someone better than Ronald Torres. Maybe they just wanted a better price on him. I, no one really knows that yet. Time will tell, but as it stands, that money is just kind of we're watching it burn in front of our eyes. <laughs> yeah, um, and that was the thing I have too. I think we both have the same sort of issue. Um, you let go of a really good bench guy to not replace him, you know. And it would have made sense if they kept Torius, um, but they didn't. <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of Cubs <laughs> fans are having yes. their issue is that the fact that he he never. Or, or not he, I should say, um, is that the cut, the team never made it clear as to, you know, why they didn't keep Torres after making that trade for him. And then all of a sudden you let La Stella go thinking that Torres would be the replacement. And now he's not. And so yeah. now you just got rid of two guys that you just made meaningless trades with. I, I don't know. This, this off season has been a puzzle for me for the, for the Cubs um, outside of keeping, uh, Cole Hamels and, and a few other little moves that they've made. I mean, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem uh, this this move in particular with the Listella situation just doesn't seem to make sense for me at all. Um, but moving I, on, though, I, it doesn't seem to make sense to anyone, to be honest. No, it doesn't. And exactly. And that's, I think, why a lot of Cubs fans have the issue with it. Um, but moving on, though, um, a former Cub was uh, signed, and that was Jesse Chavez, who was Really good for the team last year, but he signed again with the Texas Rangers on a two-year deal um, worth about $8 million. Um, I think the price tag for that is a little bit high. I know it's about $4 million per year, but I still think that's a little uh, a little bit too pricey on an aging reliever. Um, but granted, good for him getting the money that he did, and he's going to be with the Texas Rangers uh, next year. Um, another thing, too, is uh, Jim Hickey, uh, who was the Cubs pitching coach, he left um, and that was just personal kind of reasons for personal reasons. Yeah. And that was a really strange situation too, because the reports were that, Oh, the Cubs were thinking of letting him go and you know, this and that and this and that. And then now all of a sudden he, he leaves on his own terms, which is kind of interesting. Um, I, I think there's something more there that, that is probably why he's leaving. Yeah. Um, there's, there's stuff that we'll never be able to, to find actually. out. Yeah. Which yeah. sucks, but it's, it is what it is. I I I I figured Hickey was a pretty good pitching coach. Bullpen was a lot better. Starting pitchers were uh showed a lot of good progression throughout the year. Obviously, they're gonna have to go out and find someone new again now. Another year, three years straight of just new coaching now on the Cubs. That's gonna be an issue they're gonna have to get over. But Hickey seemed like a thing, especially when they um had went out and got a new hitting coach already, and they seemed to be like solidifying their coaching staff for the year. No announcements came from him, and it started to slowly the the speculation emerged that Hickey may not be a, a cub anymore, and then it just kept going and going. And by the time this announcement happened, it was pretty much assumed that he wasn't going to be coaching this year for the Cubs, and so now they're pretty much trying to figure out how to replace him get a new pitching coach. I don't think that ha that hasn't even happened yet, which is kind of weird. So that's another name we're going to have to be looking out for this offseason as well as who's the Cubs are going to um, fill the shoes of Jim Hickey. But there's still a lot of season, uh, still a lot of offseason uh, to be had. And there's still a lot of good players on the market. There's a lot of trades to be made. Who knows what's going to happen? It seemed like the Cardinals made the big uh, first splash of the market with the blockbuster deal. 
with the um, Arizona Diamondbacks to bring uh, Goldschmidt to their team. So another team in the Central just got a lot better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you look at that lineup. I mean, they've got a lot of right-handed bats in that lineup, but uh, Paul Goldschmidt in the mix with uh, you know Marcelo Zuna, Matt Carpenter, um, Paul DeYoung, and Colton Wong. That's a, a really solid lineup. And it, it's kind of funny because you know you, you look at their outfield, and you think, you know, now Dexter Fowler is probably going to, might be the odd man out, but um, he's probably going to be taking over right field more frequently. But he's, you know, a left-handed bat that the Cardinals really think that they need to get going because he had a, a really bad year last year. Um, if you recall, all that situation with management calling him out and telling him that he wasn't trying hard enough and, you know, all that sort of stuff too, or he was lazy, or, you know, stuff like that. Um, so his tenure with the Cardinals wasn't, at least so far, hasn't been the best. So, you know, I hope for his sake um, he can turn things around. But uh, for the Cardinals, they get a really big impact bat, probably the the biggest impact bat um, of the uh, at least available so far of the uh, off season. That's huge for them though, because I mean they still have needs too. I think they need to, to get a few better starting pitchers, um, maybe one or two, and then I think they also need to find somebody to close out that bullpen and, and wrap things up there. I know they've got. Um, that other guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but Jordan something who throws like 100 miles an hour. Um, yeah. So he's obviously a really solid candidate for that. But I think they could use a, a little bit more bullpen help as well as um, get a, another starter or two. So I think pitching is what they'll need now. But they do get that impact bat, which is huge. And he's Goldschmidt is only getting paid uh, $14.5 million. Um, so they're really getting a good bargain. Now the question is going to be, after this year, is Goldschmidt going to want to sign an extension with St. Louis, or is he going to want to pull a Jason Hayward and uh, leave in free agency and go somewhere? So we'll f- see what happens down the road, but I would not be surprised if the Cardinals go in right away and try to extend him for four or five years or whatever the cost may be. Move, because they, they definitely are probably going to intend on um, extending him, and, and they even stated that they're not going to start the talks right away. They want him to be a cardinal for a little bit just so that he can get used to the experience uh-huh. sort of sell him on being a part of the team and sticking around which is kind of cool to to see they're like okay well we're gonna bank on cardinals culture keeping him and him a cardinal before we try to extend him hopefully that works out to their benefit um i'm not as i said i'm not a fan of cardinals culture but that's a biased opinion yeah. uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Um, but it's just going to add another threat to the NL Central on top of Milwaukee, who's already a very good team. And then on top of St. Louis, who was a pretty good team after they fired their coach. And they sort of, you saw this sort of like second life. They actually became contenders for the wild card for a little bit. Now with this extra added bat and probably I'm, I'm thinking that need for redemption from last year, they're going to be another team that you're going to have to beat interdimensional Divisional, interdimensional. Yeah, there we go. Interdivisional. <laughs> there <you> go. Yeah. <laughs> find find yeah. those words. Multi multi division baseball here. Um, uh, interdivisional play is going to be huge in the Central this year. Um, you're gonna have to beat the teams in your division if you're gonna want to win this. Uh, win it more than years past because they're all gonna be good keep teams. They're all going to be competitive, and it's you're going to see. Um, very good records from both the the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Brewers, and who knows? Honestly, I don't know at this point who's going to come out on top of that because you have three really good ball clubs who can all potentially go to the World Series. Yeah, um, it's we it's saw way it in- too early to predict that because with so much time left in the off season to go, I mean, you could look right now and say, well, the the Brewers could be a team if they get an ace and if the Brewers get that ace you're looking at them as maybe the favorites and then you know the the Cubs if if they go ahead and maybe get a Bryce Harper or a Manny Machado whoever um you know maybe that's maybe that's the move that they're going to make and then people start making them the favorites but um you still have some issues with the Cubs on the on the bullpen side is that you need to find a, a closer and you probably need to find some more arms to, in that bullpen um, and the Cardinals, I mean, you look at them too, just getting Goldschmidt was big for them. They're definitely in that, that favorite conversation, but they still need like the Cubs, they need some arms in that. And, uh, the Brewers as of right now, I think are still really the most complete team. They just need an ace 
And I think that's something the Brewers are probably going to um, explore this offseason. But the Cardinals getting Goldschmidt is definitely making the NL Central more interesting, to say the least. Um, and it'll make the playoff race coming this year, especially where depending on where Machado and uh, Harper land. Um, it's really going to make the uh, the postseason race a lot more interesting for everybody who's a big baseball fan. I have fan. one last point I want to make before we, we throw it to the interview is don't be surprised if the Cubs don't make a huge splash this offseason. Um, obviously, they have some holes to fill, but I don't know if they're going to get those top-ranked, S-ranked guys on the market to fill it. I could see them filling the holes with solid baseball players and making themselves a better team for now. But I, I feel like there's this stigma around the Cubs right now, especially with the criticisms um, that has been going on from the past offseason signings that they've done. That has been, they got to go out and get someone huge this year or their season's going to be trash. No, they were a 95-win ball club last year. Remember that. They won 95 games. Hugh Darvish is coming back and is expected to be full, completely healthy. If he isn't completely healthy, he is still probably going to be better than Tyler Chatwood. So we have that going for us. Anthony Rizzo is still Anthony Rizzo. Chris Bryant is still Chris Bryant. Javi Baez is still Javi Baez. You still have a very solid baseball team in front of you. I think people can't be pessimistic going into this year if the Cubs don't make any moves. Purely because of the reasons of, oh, well, we didn't get Bryce Harper and we've made so many offseason signings and we went out in the first round last year. Well, <clears throat> yes, that's all will be disappointing and sad or was disappointing and sad, but there's still a good ball club. If there seems to be a fire ignited under them. Let it play out. The Cubs are still the Cubs. They're still going to be good. Enjoy the season that's coming. And... <clears throat> Enjoy the fact that we probably won't be just dominating the Central. I think having competition in the Central is way more fun and it'll, and it'll be way more exciting of a season than what happened in 2016 where we just kind of ran away with it and beat everyone in front of us. That was fun, but having a year where if you're a winning team and you're going head-to-head -head with two other winning teams in the Central is way more exciting, way more stressful, give it be, but <laughs> way more fun than just sort of dominating everyone. Yeah, I think my thing is, too, is that, um, well, I, I totally agree with 100% with what you're saying, that I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get them either. Um, I would at, le at least like to know that they're going after them, because it's been really quiet on the on the fronts there. You've heard a, a couple of reports um, that the White Sox used Jim Tomey to make their pitch to Bryce Harper, and that a few other teams made their pitches to Bryce Harper. Um but I think as of right now, you have two once in a generational type of talents in free agency. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, even with 95 wins, you shouldn't be um, stalemate on this sort of thing. If you have the chance to, to get one of those guys and make your team that much better, go for it. Now you're going to have to face the, the, the team is going to have to face the, the question of, what are they going to do with the, the money that's already locked up on some guys uh, like Jason Hayward and stuff like that? That might be an, an issue where you might have to find a, a trade partner that's willing to take on that contract um, who's maybe going through a rebuilding year, who has some payroll flexibility and getting absolutely crap in return, which could happen. Like I said, there's still a lot of time in this offseason. However, I don't see that happening very likely. Um I think with the money that they've invested into Hayward, into a few others, and then you know they still at some point got to extend Bryant and a few others when they become free agents too. So if if they view that maybe Chris Bryant is a is a better investment um, going forward than Bryce Harper, I don't blame them. But I think that they should still at least be in the mix with that sort of thing. And that's the thing; it's been really quiet. And I don't know if that's been intentional on the Cubs front to keep things quiet and then all of a sudden they just kind of swoop out of nowhere and yeah. and land him or if that's been a, a legitimate kind of thing where the Cubs just haven't had the interest they could just keep checking in to see what the the latest deals are and are showing a little bit of interest but are they actually front runners to land one of these two guys that's the the big question I have going uh, forward with this offseason yeah um basically unfortunately the only uh answers to that is uh time yeah, we just have to sit back and wait. 
So <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, so next coming up right here, we have the uh, personal sit down interview that we've had with Stu McVicker. You guys heard last week about the collection, about some of his stuff in his basement and throughout his basement. Um, again, if you want to find out more information about uh, Club 400, you can go to club400cubs.com. You can follow them on Twitter and follow Stu's podcast, the Club 400 Cubs podcast, um, on Twitter as well. You can also look them up on Facebook and like their page and everything. But like, if you want to go to an event, um, which is normally a, a charitable event, you can find out more information about those events and when they become available. Again, cool club400cubs.com. And so without further ado, let's go down to Stu's basement and check out what's been going on with Stu and uh, get a little bit of insight on his life and how he became uh, such a big Cubs fan. All right, Cubs fans, welcome into another episode of the 108 Bricks podcast. You could probably tell that it's a little bit of a different situation (laughs) than what we're normally or what you're normally used to. I'm Curtis Koch. I'm Dylan Buckwise. And we're here at the famous Club 400 Man Cave and we're talking to Stuart McVicker, who is the owner, operator, president, if you will, of the club. Stu, thanks CEO, so much for joining us. Every, yeah. He's got every title, right? <laughs> every single t- title: financial officer, food planner, bartender. <laughs> I mean, you name it. He's the he's the guy in charge of this place. Stu, thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. So, Stu, let's start with you personally. How did you like? What got you becoming such a big Cubs fan? How this all started? Well, you know what? My family—they weren't in the sports at all. My dad wasn't. My dad wasn't in the sports. My mom, nobody was in the sports in my family at all. But uh, as, as a little boy growing up, you know, I, I was in a little bit of everything, you know. And uh, one of the things I was in, into was uh, Superman. So uh, I uh, watched Superman the cartoon uh, on WGN, and then one day I just happened to tune on when Superman should have been on, and it wasn't, it was a Cubs game, and right when I tuned in, you know, I heard, uh, I heard Harry Carey, which I didn't know it was Harry Carey, I just heard, I heard an old man get kind of crazy, and he said, there's a line drive down the line, and, and like at that minute, I was like, what is this old guy getting all excited about, you know, and, and uh, I, I was just like, pretty much like, sucked right in at that moment, I didn't know anything about the game. I didn't know any of the rules. I didn't know nothing. But uh, his excitement and enthusiasm, and, and you could tell his love for the game, he, like pretty much just sucked me right into the TV. And I said, I need to learn about this game. I want to know why this guy's getting all excited. So shortly after that, um, my mom uh, and dad signed me up for baseball, a baseball league. And I was lucky enough to get on the Cubs team, which there was awesome. Go. There you go. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't know how to play. I mean, most, I was like the only kid on the team that didn't even know, like, really how to swing a baseball bat, you know? So it kind of all started from right then and there, and uh, I just started watching the game, and I, I really learned the game more than anything just from watching it on TV, and then playing, playing it obviously uh, helped also, but uh, that's kind of how I became a Cubs fan, and then, um, you know, my family's always been great, you know, I got, I have one brother and my mom and dad, and my grandparents were never into baseball either, and uh, so I kind of got everybody into baseball. And uh, my mom, shortly thereafter, started taking us on road trips to different cities to go see the Cubs play. And uh, it was that right then and there when you know she tried to book us at the hotel where the Cubs were staying, and me and my brother would we'd sit in the lobby and we'd wait for the players to come down, and and. Um, that's kind of like uh, when I started collecting stuff, you know, at the age of about eight or nine years old. What at what point or what what point did you want to start collecting thing? And what was the first piece that you collected? Oh, uh, I mean, I would have to, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I st- still carry around baseball to this day, but it was probably a, a baseball or a bat. Uh, one of my earliest memories of meeting a Cubs player was like Sammy Sosa and Ron Sano. At that point, at that point in time, he was an announcer, obviously, but. Uh, but yeah, I remember I, we have some old pictures that actually down here in Club 400 of uh, our first trip, um, which was to Pittsburgh, at the back at the old Three Rivers Stadium, and uh, that kind of started it all. And then, and then from that point on, every year, my mom would, my mom and dad would take me to a, a different city, you know, and then it was just like I just fell in love with the Cubs, and it happened to be, you know. Everything in life, I think, is timing, and uh, that happened to be when, you know, right around, I think I started watching the Cubs in 82, but then in 84, you know, I'm 45 years old right now, 
uh, and eight, like a lot of people my age, they got sucked in to Cubdom by that 84 team. So what influenced you to start like collecting more stuff and just like keeping it all and just you know what? it? You know, we would just, uh, I, I mean, from, you know, has a, has a kid, just like any kid, man, meeting the players and having signed something is just the coolest thing. And, uh, you know, right now I see my daughter getting all excited when the players come over here getting her stuff signed. But, uh, I mean, it was just, you know, I, I mean, at my age now, was, I, like, I, I enjoy the uh, just meeting the guys and getting to talk to them and getting to hang out with them. That's what's so cool about this place. But back then, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so it was pretty basic. Uh, get a picture, get a ball or, uh, or a bat, you know. But, uh, and then, uh, but the, you know, that, I collected a lot of baseball. So, I had, you know, that was one thing. I've been collecting baseball since I was basically eight or nine years old. You have tons of baseballs and tons of memorabilia around here. Is there any memorabilia here in Club 400 that is your personal favorite? Uh, you know what? I have a lot of, uh, you know, that's the cool thing about Club 400 is that most of everything down here has a personal, I have a, you know, has a memory behind it. So um, it's not just something that maybe I bought in the store, but I could tell you, uh, you know, when, um, like, uh, Mark Grace signed this picture for me and where I was. And, and, and that's the cool thing about collecting, uh, I think, for anybody, is, is, is when there's a, a memory attached to it. You know, anybody can go on the Internet and, and buy a, a piece signed by a player. But, you know, remembering uh, when that player signed it and when, where you met him and how you met him is, is the fun part of it. And I think and that's what it's all about, really, in my mind, as far as, when it comes to collecting baseball memorabilia. What inspired you to build a place like this down here? Well, you know what? I've always, like, uh, I was born and raised in McHenry, Illinois, and I lived there pretty much to the day I got married. Uh, um, so I was, like, 35 years. I lived For 35 years, I, I lived on the same exact street, and, and my parents bought the house next door to us. I guess they wanted to keep a close eye on us, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you this: like it got to a certain point, like <laughs> when my parents became the neighbors, and we were throwing some ragers, you know, <laughs> and uh, they'd come over and they'd yell at us, "Shut up! You guys are driving us crazy!" But uh, you know, it was a little like 800 square foot house, and it had a one car garage, and I turned that garage into the coolest little man cave you could ever imagine uh i bought like a golden tee we had a foosball in there we had a dartboard we had a kegerator and you know i always look back at that though those days and reminisce how awesome they were because it was about a 700 hundred dollar mortgage you know at that point in time i didn't have a quote-unquote real job and life was like, you know, life was good no worries you know it was, it was easy living you know we just throw parties all the time you yeah know? And, but, 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 I, but at that, was that point in time when I had this little garage man cave where I told myself, you know, one day I'm going to build the ultimate man cave and it's going to be Cubs themed. So uh, that's kind of how this evolved. So when I started, when I met my wife, which by the way, I met her at Wrigley Field. I proposed to her at Wrigley Field. And uh, we had our engagement party at Wrigley Field. We had a Cubs themed wedding, you know. And but when we st started going house shopping, uh, the first thing I do would go in these models' houses, and I would be more interested in what what the layout of the basement than what the model look, looked like upstairs. You know, I didn't care about the upstairs. I cared about how, if I could get this basement to be the ultimate. You know, if it would work for me. You know. Yeah. So I remember when I walked in this house, I said, Lisa, I think we could do. I could build this man cave in this house. You know. So. Uh, so yeah, we bought the house in um, 2008. Got married in 2008, and uh, I'm not really a big big guy on moving. I don't like moving. That's why I stayed on the same street for 35 years. And now, like people say, you can't move out of here, and I'm like, no, you're right. I can't move out of here now. <laughs> so, how does your wife think about all of this? Like, what's her? Does she think it's a little over crazy? Obviously, you get players in here, so she's got. to think it's cool to some extent you know what she's been supportive the whole entire time i and i and i kind of warned her you know i mean that what what i was thinking i don't think i mean i never plan on 
Club 400 being what it is today, you know, uh, we start, like I said, I, I opened it up in 2013, and um, in 2014, Tom Ricketts came out, and since then, we've had 20 players over here, and I never thought we'd have one player. I never, you know, the great, you know, people ask me what was the greatest moment I've ever had here, and I think it was when, you know, Tom Ricketts has been here twice, but the second time, he fulfilled a, a promise that when the Cubs won the World Series, he'd return and he'd bring the trophy here. So, um, but I mean, she has, uh, you know, it's, there's not too many women out there or wives that would let their husbands do what I did. And not only that, let anybody in their house like we do, you know, um, you know, we throw these big charity events and we pretty much do open it to the public. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people that are going to let, you know, 250 people come over to your house on it. Uh, you know, it's basically like a wedding, you know, but you're having it at your house, you know. After, with all the players that have come here, who's like number one on your list of priority that you want to try to get in here at some point in time? Now? Well, yeah, I mean, every year, like right now I'm in the planning stages for next year. I mean, you know, we've had 20 players here. We just had Miguel Montero out here last week for our annual Christmas party. That guy was awesome. You know, I try to get good character guys over here, but I do have a few people. I, I want to get Eddie Vetter out here one day. I mean, I think he would appreciate what we're doing here. And that is our, our, our motto is Cub fans helping Cub fans. That's what we're all about. And that kind of, like I said, the whole charity thing evolved. And I think anything in life, you know, the good stuff happens when you don't plan it, where it's just, it just, you know, evolves into what it is. So, uh, but yeah, if we can get, you know, Eddie out here one day, put on a little mini concert, you know, and maybe get Jose Carnell out here and raise a bunch of money for a Cub fan or a Cubs charity, uh, that would be pretty, that would be pretty killer. You know, I'm, you know, everybody asks me about Club 400. How'd you name it Club 400? Well, I've always had a passion for both music and sports. I love music. You know, I just, to this day, uh, I listen to all kinds of music. And it's, I go from rap to country to rock and roll to blues. And I mean, I like all kinds of music. But that's where I came up with the word club. And the 400 came from, you know, when you go on Wrigley Field, the first thing you want to do is, uh, you know, get your picture in front of the 400, you know. So I can kind of combine those two words together to come up with Club 400. And I can guarantee you this, guys, that this uh, this place has a, a booming system. <laughs> I bet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we came down here just setting up, I mean, you had MLB Network playing and speakers all throughout the house. You have TVs in the bathrooms yeah. and stuff like that. You have an, an incredible setup here. How You don't have to give an exact figure, but how much money have you spent setting this place up to the way that it is now? Well, the easiest part about this place was uh, decorating it because I had most of the stuff. I mean, if I didn't have the... I mean, this place is pretty big. This is about 2,300 square feet. We have two bathrooms down here. We have 10 TVs. We got a projection. We got, you know, kegerators. We got beer fridges. I mean, it's basically completely independent from the rest of the house. It has its own furnace, it has its own hot water here, it has its own electrical panel, um, but it's, it's its own thing down here. And you know, I, uh, one of the things when we built this place is I soundproofed it pretty good, and that was because I didn't, instead of my parents coming next door at my old house, I didn't want my wife running down here yelling at me. So it's, it's worked out pretty good, but like, yeah, a common question I get is like, how much money did I put in this place? And I, my answer is, is if, if I, I, if I told you, I, my wife would probably divorce me. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do with your collection when, before you had this place? Did you have it displayed somewhere or did well, you just kind of have it in storage? I tell you what, I had it in storage. Like, you know, there's a lot of great collectors out there. And one thing I, I'm at to my point now in my life is like I got this awesome Cubs man cave, and if I buy something now, if, uh, I'm gonna display it. You know, if you can't display it, what good is having it? In, in my opinion. Um, so, but yeah, this stuff was in storage, and I gotta tell you a story that I really never told anybody. But one time we, uh, I had all my stuff packed in boxes. Uh, it was in my in our crawl space at my house that I was born and raised in. And we came home from a vacation, 
and a pipe burst and there was it basically flood i mean i we i went down there and i crawled in water and we pulled stuff out of there and i lost tons of stuff but i tell you what if we would have showed up a day later i would have lost everything i mean i lost we you know back in the day i used to collect a lot of baseball cards and you know programs and stuff like that all that stuff was gone uh, some of the stuff that was packed higher on boxes i was able to salvage but it was a pretty devastating day because the amazing thing is you know i got this awesome basement with all this stuff in it but i lost a lot of stuff at one point and it was devastating because it was like stuff that you know when you collect stuff your whole life and you lose it i'm sure listeners have been through floods or, or fires or if you, hopefully you haven't but if you have then you know you know and also i also was um when i when i, when I moved out of college i went to northern illinois university and my goal was to live down in Wrigleyville. So I, uh, I moved down there with my uh, good friends, and we lived on Irving and Kenmore. We only made it down there eight months because there was an electrical fire in the apartment. And by the way, that year was 1997 when we moved down to the Wrigley Field. It was a dream come true for me. And uh, that year, the Cubs started off, I don't know if you remember this, I think they started off like 0-14 or 0-17. Uh, the year I chose to move to Wrigleyville. <laughs> it was a bad start. Here. The only positive part of it is I was broker than a joke. Uh, and man, tickets I could, easy to get and tickets, Yeah, you could go outside Someone and get tickets for 3 or $4 at that time, you know. So that was pretty killer. Uh, I could go to Wrigley and watch the games. But um, so... I always thought, holy cow, I'm living in Wrigleyville. This place is going to be awesome. And then I realized that, you know, in the off season, especially in the Chicago winter, the place is dead as a doornail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I had this false premonition. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to high tops every night and party. And, and then I get down there. And I'm like, holy, this is boring down here, you know. But my point is, is that uh, one night uh, my mom was actually down there. She was looking for a job and I was looking for a job. Well, the apartment caught on fire. And I don't, when I say the apartment caught on fire, I'm talking this was a full-scale TV fire. Like, helicopter could have went over this thing and probably did. And we, I lost everything that I own in that apartment. And so did my friends. And, you know, some of my friends lost some more valuable stuff than me. You know, pictures of their uh, family that had passed away and stuff like that. Oh, and uh, we walked out of that place. With the clothes that we were wearing and everything else, and it was mostly because of smoke damage. But so I've been through floods, and I've been through fires, I've been through it all, and uh, but luckily, you know, uh, I got where where we are here today, which is uh, was pretty lucky. So after you know the floods and the fires and stuff like that, what kind of kept you motivated to keep collecting? Is usually after people they get up these big collections and something like that happens, and and they're devastated and. You know, they're kind of, it takes them a while to kind of get up that motivation to right. go back and get and kind of start over. So what motivated you to, to start over and to restart your collection? And obviously it's paid off in the long run because you've got this place. Yeah, you know, the bottom line is, is like, I, I, you know, it's like all Cub fans. You know, you got that passion. You got the, I mean, you got the love for the game too. I mean, I love the Cubs obviously, but I love baseball more than anything. Like I'll watch... Uh, Angels, you know, uh, Dodgers. I watch anything, and I watch Baltimore Orioles versus the Detroit Tigers game. I love baseball in general, but I think it was like the, you know, I always felt like baseball is like you know a diversion of life. Like when I, when I walk, I always say this, but when I walk in the Wrigley Field gates, like whatever is going on in my personal life or whatever, I leave that behind outside the stadium. And when I go in the stadium, I'm basically I'm like, I'm at like peace in, in, in my life, you know, and for, I know for three to four hours, I'm going to sit in there, I'm going to watch baseball at the most beautiful place in the whole wide world, and I'm going to drink beer, and hopefully the Cubs will win, and it's just, uh, it's a peaceful feeling, but it's just a, a love of the game, and the, the, you know, I mean, it's like most Cub fans will tell you, is that, you know, Wrigley, Wrigley Field's a special place, it really is, and that was the inspiration of Club 400. I always want to, you know, if I had my choice, like most Cub fans, you know, I'd want to go to Wrigley Field every single day. So when I built Club 400, I said, I want to build the best place to watch Cubs baseball 
besides Wrigley Field. So that was the goal, you know. And uh, so the, ba the as far as the basement's concerned, when I was building it, you know, I tried to put every aspect of a, a baseball game I could possibly could. You know, you think about just all the little things, um, uh, you know, the dirt from the infield, you know, the foul pole, just everything, the ivy, you know, the the bases, the bats, the gloves, the pine tar, you know, just everything, you know. So, but that was my inspiration was uh, I can't go to Wrigley Field every day. So instead of walking through the turnstile, I'll walk down 14 stairs to my Wrigley Field down in the basement. That's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. And this place is amazing too. And uh, you guys can find more information about Club 400 at club400cups.com. Um, Stu, you mentioned earlier that you guys have a bit of a charity thing going on here. Uh, a few years ago, a mutual friend of ours, Bill Guerin, was the, the beneficiary of uh, the charities with Club 400. Can right. you tell us a little about who this year's winner was? Well, you know what? We are... Uh... Our, our thing this year is is we're going to spread it around a little bit. Um, you know, Miguel Montero was just here. Uh, we are currently working on this project as we speak, but our goal is to deliver, you know, 15 to 20 four-course meals to local families in need. Give them a nice Christmas dinner, you know. Kind of like, t you know, give them a, a nice turkey, a, you know, all, all the fixings that come with it. And... Um, and that, that's our thing this year. We're going to go, like, last year, yeah, we did it for Bill and his family. He was going through a tough time with his uh, son and everything like that. So, um, but this year we decided, let's branch out a little bit and just help as many families as we possibly could, you know. But, yeah, the best thing about Club 400 is, is that, and the proudest thing of, of Club 400 is, is we've really helped out a lot of people. And, um, you know, we do, we've helped out individuals and we helped out Cubs chair, Cubs themed charities. A lot of time, uh, the players come out and they might have their charity we're, we're open to do that stuff too, as long as we know the money's going to the right place. Uh, but the, the parties that I like doing, uh, the charity events I like doing are the ones where, you know, we're helping out someone local. Um, like there's a boy in Ringo named Logan. He had a heart transplant. And we raised him over thirty, I think about thirty-three thousand wow. dollars uh, in one night. So that's to what I realized. And is if you can, um, you can throw a party, and you can have a, everybody can have a great time, and good things can come from it. You know. So talk about how an event becomes a reality down here, because you do a lot of things yourself. You get the food squared away. You get the the beverages and stuff squared away. Obviously, you got to manage the tickets and the amount of people that come into your own home. Right. What's What's the process in an event being hosted here at Club 400? Well, you know, it's getting easier and easier as time goes by. Um, you know, when we throw an event at Club 400, we work with the city, uh, and you know, we let them know what's going on. We get liquor license. We have insurance. We do all that stuff. Um, you know, people are like, oh, how, how do you fit all those people in your basement? And the truth of the matter is, is we don't, obviously. Uh, they, uh, we, we put tents up outside in the back. Um, uh, most of the event takes place outside. Uh, we use the inside a lot of times is for pictures or autographs with the pictures. And, you know, I took, like, you know, notes from the Cubs convention, just from going to the Cubs convention. You know, everybody wears a lanyard, you know, and everybody has a number on that lanyard. And then we have the numbers in the various groups. And we're getting better and better at each party because I always say if you don't improve from before, then what are you doing for in the first place? So we're getting more organized as we go, and we're letting everybody know what group they're in and, you know, I don't want to have like Anthony Rizzo come out here and throw him in the middle of 300 people. The bottom line is I look at it this way, you know, we want the players to come out here and enjoy themselves as much as possible and to go back and brag to the other guys that, holy cow, you got to go to Club 400. This place is awesome. And so, you know, we're, we try to be as organized as possible. And I think we're, we're getting to that point now. It's almost like a, a festival type atmosphere. Uh, you know, it's a festival, like in my backyard, you know, and we do the Q and a outside. We have the food out there. All the Kate, we usually cater in a uh, rental roadhouse and Alfredo's have been my two guys that have, uh, catered, catered the food. We forwarded, uh, we formed a, a relationship with Crystal Lake Brewery. 
So we have craft beer here. Uh, so that's, you know, everybody likes craft beer now. So we have like three or four of their beers here, beer here. And we're working on maybe coming out with a club 400 beer down the line. But uh, so that'd be kind of neat. But uh, they've been with us since day one. But the truth is, is, you know, we've thrown so many of these that uh, it gets easier and easier. Like, um, you know, I call Ed's Rental up and say, give me what I had last time. And they deliver what we had last time, you know. So, uh and uh, it just gets more easier, but you know, now we're look, like our, for instance, when we had Kyle Schwarber out here, we flew him out in a helicopter. Cause a lot of these times, these players, man, their time is worth so much. So, you know, Rizzo told Schwarber, Hey, I got a helicopter out there. And then, then Schwarber hits, you know, Oh, can you get me out there now? But uh, Schwarber came over on a game day and the extra game was running late. So we were sweating that one out a little bit. Thank God we did have a helicopter to get him out here. Really? And thank God for Lake and Hills Airport. Uh, <laughs> but right now we're working on uh, forming relationships with a helicopter company. That hopefully we can get them on board and I'll cut some of our expenses out for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, one final question before, or actually a couple of final questions before uh, we wrap things up on this episode. Um, one, any new events that you want to promote? I know you guys also have a podcast, too, that you want to promote, too, the Club 400 Cubs podcast. Where can fans find out more about you, the, the podcast, and right. future events? Where can everybody find everything about that? Well, William, uh, you know, uh, Garen, who used to be on Huntley Radio, wanted me to do a podcast with them. And I'm like, you know, uh, I, I, he kept on bringing it up, and I didn't really want to do it. And then, but because we only do, like, Two large charity events a year. You know, obviously, you know, that's two days of the year. And what I kind of realized is, like, we have a lot of same people that come to our events. And we kind of need to grow a little bit so we can, you know, raise more money. So I, I decided, I, I went to Bill and I said, Bill, I got an idea. Let's focus on doing a podcast around the Cubs community and Cubs fans. Because, like, as you guys know... Just like you guys, like I'll have you guys on my our show one of these days and talk about your podcast. But there's a lot of passionate fans out there who have uh, have a lot of good stories to tell. Like our, my kind of saying is, uh, everybody has a story. We want to hear yours, you know. And um, so that's kind of what our podcast is focused around. And then you know the cool thing about it is, is because what we're doing over here, you know, we have access to you know our guests when they come out here. So we have access, to, like we. Dropping a podcast next week with uh, Miguel Montero, you know, and then we had uh, CJ Edwards, you know, and then, you know, we've done stuff with older Cubs, so we have a unique access uh, to do stuff like that too. Uh, we also want to do, you know, you know, I always say when you go to the field, you know, when you go there as much as I do, at least, you know, <laughs> you, you form relationships with people, the parking attendants. The beer vendors, you know, the uh, ushers, and, uh, you know, you see a lot of familiar faces there when you go. And, and you know, everybody has, you know, how, you know, so we want to bring basically Cub fans on to hear their stories. And, you know, there's a lot of great Cub fans out there that are charitable people that are doing their own thing. So we're bringing them on, and, 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 that, and that's how uh, it's called Club 400 uh, Radio. And it can be found anywhere where you find a podcast, basically. It's, and you can go on club400cubs.com, and right there you'll see the radio icon. Click on there and uh, download our episode. And uh, our episodes are timeless. Uh, I like to say it's kind of like uh, documentary radio. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, This American Life. I'm sure you might have checked yeah. that out. And, like, I just sometimes, like, I just sit in my office, and I'll just throw on some, I don't even care if it's from 2005, throw an old episode on. I just like hearing stories, you know. And that's what we're trying to do is just deliver stories. And then, um, so that we got that going on. And then as far as future events, I'm working on our big ones for next year. Um, and i working on Ben Zobrist. I don't have anything solid yet, but it's looking like it's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, right now I'm in the planning and preparation stage for uh, 2019. Uh, and hopefully it'll be as uh, good as this year was. If the Cubs sign uh, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, are they going to move up on the list? Oh, they'll be on top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I almost had Chris Bryant out. Like, like, I mean, we had a, we struck a deal, and um, everything was there. And then this was like in early August, and like 
I thought we had Chris Bryant. I thought it was done. And then the truth of the matter is, is he just really was disappointed at his season. You know, uh, his agent basically said, you know, Chris Bryant considers a, a really bad year, and he's never failed. He's always been, you know, he's always performed at top notch. And uh, so at, when the season ended, and the season ended the way it did, as you know, with the the, um, the loss, the one game playoff loss, uh, I would like to tell everybody out there listening that Chris Bryant is 100% focused on making a huge comeback next year. So he doesn't want any distractions. He wants to focus on baseball. And as a Cub fan, I totally understand that. So maybe he'll come back out the following year. So, so there you have it. That's our two-part special on Club 400 with Stuart McVicker, who is, again, the owner, operator, bartender, you name it. He's the guy that's in charge of all of that there. Again, more information can be found on Club 400. You can go to club400cubs.com. You can also check them out on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, There's a lot of information there about upcoming events and also They do have a podcast that they do as well that you can check out and listen to. They have a lot of great guests that they bring on. You can check that out too, the Club 400 Cubs podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are posted. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you guys in two weeks. Hopefully we'll have some more off-season news. Until then, I'm Curtis Koch, and this has been the latest episode of the 108 Bricks Podcast.